Hey friend, it's your host, Gabe Cox, for another episode of Red Hot Mindset. So glad you are here. Susan Landers is no stranger to trying to develop a work-life balance. She held a full-time demanding medical career while raising her three children and working to incorporate faith into everything she did and to help her kids grow spiritually. Now, in retirement, she loves to teach younger women what to expect as they embark on both a career and motherhood. Work will challenge us as mothers or make us doubt our abilities, but we can do both if we're called to it. I brought Susan on today to share what we need to know as we raise a family and keep up a career, and we're also going to touch on some tips to overcoming being a helicopter parent. Any of you labeled as that? <laughs> I'm sure my kids think I am. It's a hard balance, isn't it? But if we want to raise responsible and independent adults, we also need to learn how to hold our children loosely and not helicopter over their every move. How do we do this? Well, let's step into the fire with Susan and we will find out. Welcome to Red Hot Mindset. I'm your host, Gabe Cox, and through this podcast, I'm on a mission to help you step into the fire of refinement so God can mold and transform you into a woman ready to step into your calling and crush your goals his way. I do this by helping you overcome your mental barriers through a faith-based approach of building inner strength and resilience. Each episode, I will bring you thought process, productivity tips, and inspirational stories from everyday people, all so you can live intentionally and move forward confidently with the gifts God has given you. As a running enthusiast, I believe that life is one massive marathon and it's up to you to run your own race and to finish it well. Step into the fire with me because I know you will come out stronger. Hi, Susan. Welcome back to Red Hot Mindset. I'm so glad to have you here today. Hi, Gabe. Thank you. It's been so much fun chatting with you. Yes, I know. I know. I love these conversations because they're just inspiring to me. I love hearing other women's stories and how they overcome their struggles. And I feel like we overcome a struggle to hit another struggle, right? So yes. it's just like we've learned through them and it's just a growth process. But um, listeners heard your story last week of balancing a full-time medical career and motherhood and some of the struggles you faced. Uh, if you haven't listened yet, go back and listen because it's a really encouraging story. But um, for those who haven't gotten to that episode yet, could you just give a brief snapshot of um, what it looked like and give us some context before we start? I um, practice neonatology. That's um, taking care of premature babies and sick newborns in the NICU for over 30 years, uh, working full time while I also raised three children. They're all now grown young adults. I was married to a pediatrician so I had plenty of help and support from him. Um, I learned on the fly to be a good mother, a good enough mother, as my kids grew like most women do. Um, each of my children was very different and each child taught me different lessons. They had different needs and they allowed me to use different strengths and talents. For example, um, when my uh, son was about 10 years old, he was bullied. He was in a class, a sixth grade class. Now, he would have been more like 
11 years old. He had moved up and it was in a sixth grade class and he was being bullied by some boys. My son was kind of geeky and goofy and not very coordinated. And these boys were big skateboarders and basketball players. And I, I knew what was going on. And I talked to the principal. And I talked to the teacher. I did not call the other ch child's mother because they were going through a big divorce. And all I could do was try to support my son without fixing the problem for him. And that was a very hard lesson. That's a lesson that mothers learn over and over. How do you support your kid? How do you, are you there for them? Encourage them to talk about their feelings, work with the teacher, but don't solve their problems for them. David uh, made friends with another boy who was very geeky and computer oriented. And he was fine having one main friend, even though he was being bullied by another group of boys. He worked it out himself. That same year, he started in the Boy Scouts. Mm -hmm. And um, it just made him blossom. He was perfect for the Boy Scouts. And I was so thankful because he had found something that was, you know, grounded in the church and good men were scout leaders and he was learning skills that were very important. So that's just one example of how I learned to let my son find his own way, fight his own battles, so to speak. Mm. Um, one of my daughters, my youngest daughter, had a lot of trouble learning letters and numbers and shapes. I noticed one day that she was uh, reading a book upside down and I went, oh my gosh, this is not normal. My other two had read early and, and read easily and here she was uh, kind of stuck. And the school told me that she had some kind of learning disability. And I went into super mom overdrive. You know, I went, oh my God, let's have her tested. I took her to the children's hospital, to the development center. I had her tested. Here I was solve, trying to solve the problem. You know, I was a physician. I wanted to solve the problem. And she did test developmentally delayed. And the, the report was that she had dyslexia, that she had difficulty learning. Of course, we had her hearing checked. She worked with a speech therapist. She had some little glasses, special glasses made to magnify the letters. And we worked with phonics, flip charts. And her teacher and I became a team to help her learn. And over the years, she learned how to cope. And by the time, so that would have been preschool. By the time she was in third or fourth grade, even though she was in pullout classes for reading, she had learned to compensate and she was on grade level with all of her skills. So I did a little bit of the super mom thing, but ultimately my daughter had to learn to cope her own way. She had to learn to let teachers help her. She had to learn that it was okay to go to a pullout class for reading and and I don't think anybody made 
front of her and her teachers all loved her. So that was another example of how, even though I wanted to swoop in and diagnose and treat and take care of the problem, I really had to let Laura and her teachers work it out. And I really had to watch her grow and become stronger because of having really good teachers. So those two examples um, remind me that moms want what's best for their child. They always do. Um, but sometimes what's best for the child is to let them find their own way, whether it was David and the Boy Scouts or Laura with her tutor. Um, we all try to protect our kids. We don't want our kids to fail. We certainly don't want our kids to be unhappy, but you know, being unhappy is part of life. And if kids are unhappy temporarily, they'll get through it. And we can um, tell them that how they feel is okay. And as long as they feel like they can come to us and talk to us and confide in us, they're going to get through it. Um, so I learned to let my children fight their own battles. Mm -hmm. And I didn't do homework for them. Somebody had told me, don't do that. It's not good. You just make them weak. And I thought, okay, that makes sense. Um, my two daughters were very athletic. And they both were in soccer and in swimming and volleyball. And I learned how to work with coaches, but not too much. Um, my volleyball player didn't make the team she wanted to make. And I didn't do anything about it. She was hurt. She um, cried a lot. And she switched to track that year. My swimming daughter did beautifully and the coaches loved her and they wanted her to do more and more and more and she didn't want to do that much she didn't want to swim two hours a day she only wanted to swim one hour a day I let her make that decision I didn't push her into competitive swimming and she loved swimming and she swam all the way through middle school and high school but she didn't she decided I'm not going to do that in college mom that's too much and I let her make that decision, even though I had always dreamed she was going to be an Olympian. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we always want what's best for our kids. And it takes some time for us to realize as moms that our children really are their own person. And they have feelings and they have thoughts about what they want to do, what they like what their talents are. I think sometimes moms can point children in a direction of where their talents seem to be going. Mm -hmm. um, and I learned all of that by being a mom to three kids who were very active and all very different. And I bet you've learned exactly the same thing with three boys. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm learning. I learn every day. So. I feel like we need to unpack this a lot because you have such great stories about how you've advocated and how you've helped and guided, but not taken control. And um, I think as moms, 
a lot of time we do want to take the control because we don't want to see our kids hurt. We don't want really want to see them make mistakes. Um, we want to protect them. We want to hover over them. That's just a natural instinct, I think. But in order for us to, because our goal isn't to raise kids, right? Our goal is to raise a um, adults, right? We're raise good humans. Yes. Yeah. Raise good into humans. respectable, um, you know, self-reliant and resilient and um, responsible adults. And in order to do that, we have to let them learn how to solve their problems and help them to make, I mean, not help them make mistakes, but let them make mistakes. I'd rather them make mistakes and I have to remember it this way. I want them to make mistakes under my roof so I can help them through it rather than protect them from all their mistakes. And then they make them all when they leave. Um, so let's unpack exactly. this a little bit. Yeah. Like <clears throat> with your son, with the bullying experience, you didn't essentially take him out of that situation. You helped guide him to work through it. So what are some ways that we as moms can um, either, I think, ask good questions, like coach them. I feel like we're kind of mini coaches, right? Um, we are how coaches, to deal yeah. with it instead of just taking care of it. Like you could have called the mom, you could have gotten mad and done all the things and solved right. it for him, but that right. he went to learn, right? So what are some right. things that we could do to help them through something like that? Well, first of all, our children have to understand that talking about their feelings is good, is healthy. Mm. And that if they feel like they can't talk to anybody else, they can come to mom or dad and talk about their feelings. And that it's okay to be frustrated or unhappy or sad. I love the books that explain about feelings. And I always started all those books as early as I could with my kids. And I'm doing it with my little four and a half year old granddaughter. <clears throat> Children have to have failures in their life. They have to have difficulty. Think back on your childhood. When I think back on mine, I struggled. I got teased having red hair. I got called red strings. Oh yeah, ginger. And carrot top. <laughs> carrot top, yep. <laughs> and as a result, I was kind of loud and talkative in class and I got put in my place and I was embarrassed. <clears throat> but I didn't have a mom who was very understanding about that. What I wanted to be as a mom was, was a mom who understood and could listen to her children's feelings and let them know that feeling sad or feeling unhappy or feeling frustrated was okay. That was part of being human. Um, and, and then <clears throat> I figured out that they were strong, stronger than I thought. They were capable. David made another friend. He did okay that year. He kept away from the bully. His other friend helped him get into Boy Scouts. My son ultimately became an Eagle Scout. I mean, really, he, he did fine. And he still talks about, oh yeah, I remember that year. That was kind of rough that year, mom, but you know. Um, I think what we do best as mothers is act like advisors and coaches with love. I mean, all mothers love their children. Um, and it was hard for me as a physician, especially a critical care physician, to not swoop in and fix everything. I mean, that's what I did in the hospital. I would always swoop in and see the premature baby and 
and fix it, you know, do whatever therapy was necessary. So it's a whole different mindset. When you're a mom, of course, you want your kids to be okay, but you really cannot fix all their problems for them. Mm -hmm. um, I remember Anne asked me once to help her write uh, a paper. It was fourth grade and she was writing a big paper on Texas history. And she was in tears, crying, I can't do it. I kept saying, yeah, you can do it. And, you know, we got organized and she had her little cards and <clears throat> she kept saying, will you please write this for me? I said, no, I won't write this for you. <laughs> You've got to do this yourself. And she said, oh, I'll never get it done. And so we took it in little bite-sized pieces and she did fine. Mm. And she went on to learn that being a good student was her thing that she became more and more organized and she was always a straight A student after that. And I think she just needed reassurance that her way would work. I think a lot of children need their moms to reassure them that they have strength. Sometimes as mothers, we only see what our kids cannot do or can't do correctly. And what we really need to point out to them is what they can do and what they do correctly and what they do wonderfully. My son was really great at looking after the neighborhood kids that were younger than him. He liked entertaining them. He, would, he had a video camera. He would, he would take shots of them and let them dress up and put on plays and whatnot. And I let him do that and they made a huge mess, but they all had a great time and he was kind of the ringleader. He grew up to be a cinematographer. Hmm. I mean, so I could have known from the time he was filming the other little kids in the neighborhood that he was interested in making movies, so to speak. Um, mothers know what their kids are good at. I think sometimes another tip would be if you don't know what your kids are good at, talk to your child's teacher. Hmm. Talk to your husband, of course. Talk to your pastor or youth minister that's worked with your kids. I think the teachers, because they're with them so much, they're with them five days a week. Teachers have such an understanding of what kids are capable of. I had there was a Beth's fourth grade teacher. She had David and she had Anne. And I remember being in a meeting with her and worrying about how Anne was doing in school. And she looked at me and she said, would you please settle down? She is just fine. I said, really? She's okay? She said, believe me, I would tell you if she's not. And so, you know, you have those moments as a mom where you really want everything to be okay. Uh, you talked a little bit earlier about the concept of being a helicopter mom. Mm -hmm. um, I, I distinctly remember not calling that kid's parents, the child that was bullying David. I talked to the principal and the teacher, but not. I distinctly remember backing off. And when and decided not to do competitive swimming. I talked to the coach and I distinctly remember backing off. 
when we're helicopter moms, we swoop in, we talk to coaches, we make plans. It's almost like the child is some sort of puppet. Hmm. Um, and that's not what we want. We want the child to have their own life, to discover their own strengths. Um, another example is always telling children to be careful. I was pretty guilty of that. I would say, be careful when they were on the playground. <clears throat> and climbed over a fence at school to retrieve a soccer ball. Her teacher told her to climb over the fence and she fell on the way back and broke her arm. Oh, no. and, and the teacher of course felt horrible. And I was at work that day. And so I met them in the emergency room and the teacher said, oh my God, I can't believe I let this happen. I said, you know, kids fall, kids break bones. It's just the way it is. We'll take care of it. Um, we cannot prevent our kids from every injury. We certainly can't prevent them from failure and frustration. And it's hard for mothers to know when to ease up. I think... Um, what helped me a lot was my husband saying, are you sure you're doing the right thing? He wouldn't say ease up. He would say, are you sure you're doing what you need to be doing? And he was a great voice to help me not be a helicopter mom. Mm -hmm. What's another good yeah. example of being a helicopter mom well um, i can tell you i have been there <laughs> like many oh, times because i am the one who says be careful and my boys actually mimic me and they're like be careful um but it's just the way it is we live in colorado we i love hiking but they love getting right by the edge and for me that's a dangerous spot so i do say be careful. i always tell them my goal i tell them i'm going to try and let you go to the edge or, you know, I'm going to try and let you do things, but I want you to stay one step back than what you think you're capable of. And because there's the, you know, slippery slope, the rocks could collide. There's a lot of things that could happen and they really aren't completely mature yet, right? right They're still right. maturing. So you have to have that boundary of, okay, um, helicopter moms, when, when safety's an issue, we need to step in. If it's not an issue, maybe we need to step back, but that's kind of where I've been, but I still cringe. <laughs> I still cringe, but I'm trying really hard not to, not yes. to say something, but, um, cause my oldest definitely, I can tell that it annoys him so much. Cause he's like, I've never done anything to make you feel this way. Well, yeah, he oh. has done a lot, taken a lot of risks, but you know what I mean? It's like, I know that he's got some maturity. I know he's very good and responsible but it, it is hard when it's not just your body, you doing it, because you know how far you can go. But, um, but yeah, that's, that's one of my examples, because I'm, this is something that I'm learning. I don't want to be, I don't feel like I'm a helicopter mom in many ways, but for some of those things, like, like the, I don't want them to injure themselves, or I don't want them to right. make a mistake. So I, I'll be that person who's like, be careful. <laughs> yes, I was a helicopter mom about trampolines before trampolines had the nets around them. Mm -hmm. At the children's hospital, we would see injuries, some spinal cord injuries for kids that had fallen off trampolines. And so I was the main mom on the neighborhood that would not have a trampoline and would not let my kid 
on other trampolines. And they thought I was being too protective. I said, well, sorry, there are some things that are dangerous. And some kids in the neighborhood had three-wheeler and four-wheelers. And I said to David, don't even ask. No way you're getting one of those. They're too dangerous. There are too many rollover accidents. You're not getting it. So you are right. There's sometimes you have to put your foot down and say, this is dangerous. This is not just good for your growth. This is too risky. And so you're, you're doing exactly the right thing. Yeah. So I've made plenty of mistakes along the way and I don't always do that. So (laughs) there's that. It's funny because I know trampolines are one of those major injury things, but I've never worried about the trampoline. So funny, but my kids are gymnasts. So they, they know the safety of it and things, but when there's enough people on there, I'm like, someone's going to get trampled. Right. So, and we have a big net, so that's good. But when I was a kid, we had two trampolines next to each other without nets and we would flip from one to the other. So, I mean, we did crazy things as kids and I don't know how my parents let us get away with the things we got away with. (laughs) I have another good example of how to not be a helicopter mom. I think I was sort of one in the beginning and then not one. When my oldest daughter was a junior in high school, she was social butterfly. She had been a counselor at a sleepover camp and the whole summer had just had a great time. All the pictures smiling, little girls in bikinis having a good time, deep suntan. She came home from summer camp And she said to me, mom, I'm fat and I need to go on a diet. And I went, what? She was like 110 pounds, maybe at the most. I said, you're not fat. She said, yes, I am. And I'm going on a diet. And I didn't say anything. And I said, okay, this is crazy. She actually went on a diet. She didn't eat very much. She ate fruit. She ate raisin bran, um, special K, she kind of pushed her food around at the table at night at dinner. And this was a child who was taking AP classes, an SAT prep course, swimming on the swim team, teen teaching leader, and now she's on a diet. And so for about a month, my husband and I said, what is going on? Then she started complaining about, pain, indigestion. Mm. I took her to the pediatrician thinking she had reflux and the pediatrician asked her a little bit about her eating and prescribed some antacids. And we went back home and she continued to diet. And I thought, I don't know. I think I've let this go on long enough. I called her best friend's mother. Normally I wouldn't do that. Mm -hmm. called her best friend's mother. I said, do you have any idea what's going on with my daughter? She said, oh my God, her Jenny, her best friend says she's not eating at school. She's not eating at our house. And if she's not eating at your house, something's wrong. And I went, oh my God, something is wrong. She had developed an eating disorder. And so again, I did the super mom overdrive thing, took her to a therapist, took her to see a nutritionist, got her squared away with appointments. She loved the nutritionist she was working with. I talked to her favorite teacher. We developed a plan, but it was 
my daughter's plan. Hmm. I took her to all the visits and I asked her how things were and she would tell me when she wanted to and she didn't if she didn't want to because she was already talking to a therapist and a nutritionist. Within six months, she had regained her weight, was eating well, still swimming well. And so that would, that would have been about halfway through her, her junior year. And, and, you know, was ready to take the SAT and, and talking about colleges. And so the point of this story is sometimes if your children are in trouble, you do have to move forward, grab the situation, get the care they need, make sure you know what's going on, but then the recovery has to be theirs. Hmm. They have to feel like they own the problem and they own the solution. And I think that identifying my daughter's eating disorder so early made a huge difference. The fact that she loved her nutritionist made a big difference. And her friends were not afraid to talk to her about it. And her dad and I talked about it too. So she got well really quickly as a result of all the support that she had around her, but it was her program. It was her process. We let her do that and she fully recovered. Yeah, that's so important. I think um, just what you're talking about there, because sometimes we do need to get in there. And I would say we need, we are our kids' best advocates. So we need to know when we need to advocate and advocating, I would say is different than solving. It could become solving. So we have, there's kind of a narrow line there, but even when you were talking about your um, daughter with the dyslexia, you did need to advocate for her because she didn't know what she needed. Right. Um, So you needed to point her in the right direction, but then you went hands off to have her um, work with her teacher. So same thing with this, with your other daughter with the eating disorder, you, if you would have let that go, it could have become detrimental to her. It would have been very serious, very harmful. Yes. Mm -hmm. So how do we decipher the difference between, um, advocating or when we need to advocate to the helicopter? Like, how do we know what's the balance there? I think, first of all, you need to talk with your spouse. Second, talk with a trusted friend, bounce it off of them. Hey, I'm worried about such and such. What do you think? Talk to your pediatrician, talk to your pastor. There are so many people in your support group that have more experience than you do. Sometimes we don't ask. And I have never had anybody not help me when I asked for help. I have never had a friend say, I don't have time. I've never had a pastor say, I can't chat with you. I've never had a good friend not be there for me. So advocating, yes. Solving their problems for them, no. I think our friends are great sounding boards. Of course, our spouses are. Your mother, your mother-in-law. Um, I didn't have a very good relationship with my mom, but I loved my mother-in-law. And um, I would bounce things off of her. Hey, when your kids were little, did this happen? 
So there are lots of people around us with more experience that can help us how sort of um, uh, reality check. Are we overly worried? Are we appropriately worried? Should we pull back and say, this is no big deal, it's a phase? Mm. Does that make sense? Makes complete sense, and that's perfect. I think you're right. It, it comes down to that community again. We don't do yes. it alone. You don't mom alone. You you do it with others, and and having those special friends or the pastors or the mother-in-laws or moms to be able to do. I mean, they've gone through their own. They had their own kids, yes. right? So yes. I think I look back and I go, oh, my mom put up with a lot. Oh, I see what I did to her. You know, it just happens. That's just the way it is. But um, now as we're wrapping up, one other thing I want to dive into just a little bit, which I think you answered a little bit here, because what I I see is we need the community for this too. But um, I think some of us do always fear if our kids are going to go on the deep end or if they start rebelling. Um, What do we do? Do we become helicopter parents or do we still kind of let them make those mistakes? Oh, wow. Um, So the child with dyslexia uh, grew up to have ADHD as well. And she was a teenager from mm, another planet. Oh my gosh, she skipped school. She got tattoos. Um, She wrecked cars. And I wanted to controller and first I wanted to strangle her then I wanted to control her right and and my husband kept saying she's just a teenager let it go let it go um I had to talk to teachers I had to talk to friends I needed advice about how to deal with that I was at my wits end there will be times when mothers are really out of their league. And my daughter needed help and I was able to get her the help she needed. Um, She talked to a counselor at schools who she loved and they met once a week for a long time. Part of the time she was in Saturday school because she had to, she had delinquent and, you know, skipping school, that was her punishment. She worked through that and the school helped me help her mainly the school held her accountable Mm. and we held her accountable and took away privileges so there will be times sometimes the problems get much bigger as the kids get older especially in the teenage years and there will be plenty of times when you don't know what you're doing and you've got to talk to the school counselor or a therapist Uh, people, more people than just your spouse. It's possible. Yeah, that makes sense. And really letting them, giving them some freedom, letting go of the reins a little, but knowing whom to talk to, um, to maybe help guide them as well, so that it's not just you. I think that that's sound, that's totally sound advice. And I think I will be using that. I now have a teenager. Yeah. (laughs) Sometimes I don't understand him or what he does. So the school counselor, if, if your child connects with a school counselor or a, an assistant principal, you're golden. Uh, Laura connected with an assistant principal who just thought she was hilarious. And I would talk to him and say, this is not hilarious. This is terrible. She's wrecking cars. 
He said, oh man, they all wreck cars. So we bought her a really cheap car, you know, a really cheap used car. And I said, she's skipping school. And he said, oh, I, I put her in Saturday school. She's got to make up community service hours. Don't worry about it. He was right. She was going through a terrible phase. Now the tattoos, I wish I had figured out how to prevent that. But I let the counselor and the AP reassure me that I needed to back off mm. and yeah. not go berserk because I was, you know, ready to kill her. <laughs> it, was, <laughs> it was awful. Oh, I, I had to take kinda, deep breaths. Yeah, it kind of comes down to that perfection again that we talked about in the last episode but we want this perfect family and our kids to be perfect. And it's, it's almost the image we want to create more than actually teaching and training our children right. to be amazing adults. Right. You know what my husband did when Laura had that crazy teenage period, he would go to work and tell people stories and make it sound like it was comical. And I said, How, this is not comical. He said, Sadia, she's just a teenager. And here I was fretting about every single thing. And he was telling people stories and making them laugh because she was such an uh, outgoing, emotive teenager. We had totally opposite reactions to this difficult period. He dealt with it his way. I dealt with it my way. Oh, it was really amazing. Yeah. And I've always, if you have a, a spouse, that balances you if you're high strung and they're laid back or vice versa if you are really intuitive and they're different it's so fortunate to have somebody to to balance you i mean marriages are all about balance and compromise and no good enough mother raises children by herself no it takes a it takes a community and now I need you to give us a little hope because you talk about your daughter and, and the rebellion she went through as a teenager. Where is she at now? Well, she went on to college and finished three years with good grades. Her fourth year, she dropped out because she was smoking marijuana. Uh-oh. And we let her stay uh, in the college town. It was in the Pacific Northwest. and. Um, that didn't work. My husband drove up there and got her and brought her home and said, you're not leaving until you get your life straightened out. Mm -hmm. And she did. And now she's back in college on her way to getting a degree in uh, counseling. She wants to counsel troubled youth. That's oh, so perfect. <laughs> I love it. Oh, so perfect. I said, you've got so much experience, dear. You will be a great counselor. She said, I know, mom. I know. <laughs> so she's fine. She's fine. She's got her act together. That's so awesome. I love that. But she did. She just had to find her way. And she needed some sternness sometimes. And she needed the love. And she needed the support. And whatever it was that you needed to give her at the time is what you gave right. her. And right. I think that's yeah, important. I, but I have to say, I'm no fan of smoking marijuana. I'm against legalizing it because I don't think that's a good drug for all kids. I don't yeah. think it's like drinking a beer. It's not good. Yeah, I, I could agree with you. So I'm right good. there. Good, good. <laughs> so, oh, man. Well, this has been so wonderful. So some of my takeaways really are that we are their 
we are their coach and advisor. So we're trying to help draw out their giftings and we're trying to draw out the things that they like and that they're passionate about and asking them good questions so they can solve their problems. And we're just there as a sounding board. Um, but we have to know when we should advocate when we need to step in, um, especially when it's an unsafe situation or something like that or a dangerous situation. And then still let them, when we advocate, we still want them to make it their own and make their own choices. And, and kind of, it's almost the whole, like, if you're always right, because, you know, or if you have that boss, who's always right, you have to make it their idea. So then they're like, Oh, my idea. <laughs> that was kids. Right. So, um, but really just helping them to become, um, Adults. We're, we're raising adults. Good we're not people. Raising kids. Yeah. Good humans. Yeah. yeah. I, I think you nailed it. I mean, that's a great summary because uh, you've, you've grown and you're a good enough mother and you have a lot of wisdom, hopefully from interviewing people on your podcast and from raising your three boys. Uh, some of those lessons are hard to learn. And I think you deserve a lot of credit for learning those lessons already. Mm. Um, you're capable of taking care of anything that comes along in the teenage years. Oh, well, You'll thank you. Be That's fine. encouraging. <laughs> I, am in <laughs> them. Be fine. I am deep in them now. So we'll see. Uh, and I will now always have a teenager in my house, <laughs> <yes>. <laughs> at least yeah. for the next 10 years. So anyway, well, awesome. Susan, this was so fun. Thank you for sharing some of your stories and um, for really helping us to understand what the difference is between advocating and being a helicopter parent and how we have to be a helicopter parent so we can hold them loosely and really let them thrive, our kids. Um, now, if you want to connect further with Susan or snag her new bit book, she has a book called So Many Babies. And a lot of her stories from, uh, she ties in from the NICU and with her own stories of motherhood and a work-life balance, um, you can head over to SusanLandersMD.com, or you can connect with her on your favorite social platform at SusanLandersMD. And I'll make sure to link those for you in the show notes so you can connect with her easily. Susan, thank you so much for coming. I hope that you have a blessed week. Thanks so, for, so oh, much. Oh, Gabe, this has been so wonderful. You are just a dear, and I've loved this conversation. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining me today. I had a great time and I hope you did too. Before we go though, make sure you subscribe to the podcast on your favorite listening platform if you haven't already. This will make sure you have access to all future episodes so you don't miss any of them. If you resonated with this episode, please consider leaving a review on iTunes or Spotify as reviews are an important part of growing this podcast. If you have any friends or family who you think would enjoy this podcast, be sure to take a screenshot and share it with them. And if you're not a part of the free Mindful Mamas online community, consider joining us. It's a community built to provide support, mindset, and encouragement as you develop your gifting, live intentionally, and go after your biggest goals, God's way. Head on over to www.redhotmindset.com to check out the show notes and find the link to join the community. I hope you step into the fire with me each and every episode because I know you will come out stronger. That's all for now. Talk with you real soon. Bye, winner.